Welcome to Vision Pros, the show all about spatial computing, Vision OS, and getting work done on the Apple Vision Pro. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Well, I guess I'm personally most excited about having a huge uh, canvas to spread out and <laughs> getting rid of these constraints of these uh, of the physical screens that we've been around for so long. And, you know, thinking back on your earlier comment about, well, would you take this outside? And that's actually a place where maybe you wouldn't do that more often. Like right now, if I go outside to work on something, um, you know, maybe I'm bringing my laptop with me, but then I've got a small screen. And, um, but imagine if I've got these on and I mean, maybe I really would love to be there or I'm out at the park or wherever. And I'm enjoying the, you know, the physical environment that I'm in. Plus I'm enjoying being able to have this huge workspace, even bigger than the uh, than the large uh, screen that I'm used to for my Mac, right? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Vision Pros. I'm thrilled to be joined by Ken Case of the Omni Group. Ken has been through many, many platform launches. And in this episode, we dive into what he's excited about by Vision OS and discuss more broadly this very special time of a new platform being born and what can be learned from some of the past new platforms that have emerged over the years. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over patreon.com slash iPad pros or by subscribing in Apple podcasts. Apple podcasts has a new yearly option at $35 yearly, which will get you early access to both iPad pros and vision pros through Apple podcasts. My thanks to everyone that currently or has in the past supported the podcast. It means the world and even a dollar a month over on Patreon goes a long way in helping with the production of this show. With that, here's my interview with Ken, all about Vision OS. Welcome to the podcast, Ken. Thank you. So for those that don't know who you are, can you share a bit on your background and you know how long you've been a developer and, and whatnot? Sure, you bet. Well, I, uh, I got my start with computing, uh, really, I guess, when the Apple II uh, arrived at my school back in the, uh, at 79 and uh, started learning to program a little bit um, uh, and so on. Fast forward, um, I, I went to the University of Washington, took computer science classes there and, and uh, quickly got, uh, you know, fell in love with Unix computers mm-hmm. Um and while I was there, the Macintosh came out, and I fell in love with that as well, but I couldn't yes. afford it. So uh, so I kind of watched it from afar and studied all of the inside MacBooks and, and so on, but never actually programmed it. And then I went back to you know programming the VAX and uh, and so on, uh, uh, using uh, these uh, old ancient nine-track tapes <laughs> and so on. Uh, but uh, fast forward a bit more, I, after using about, I don't know, 17 computing platforms over a few years, I you know, was the assistant man, the systems programmer, uh, and uh, I was trying to write software, uh, you know, as I wrote code, invested time in putting it into code, I wanted it to be available to as many people as possible. Yeah. So I was trying to write for really cross-platform code. And then I discovered the next platform and found how much more productive it made me. And like, well, I guess there are two ways for, you know, a, the time I invest in coding to be efficient. One is for it to be available to as many people as possible. Yeah. And the other is to have it 
be as efficient an environment as possible. And right. so I ended up going down that next path and, and never looked back. So uh, <laughs> next uh, led me then to Mac OS X, to uh, iPhone and iPad and, <laughs> and how, Apple Watch. And, so, and in next computing, uh, Steve Jobs, a uh, brainchild when you know he was in his uh, period away from Apple, how did you kind of stumble <laughs> upon Next? Was that in an educational environment? Or... Yeah, so I was working for the University of Washington at the time. Okay. And uh, at Next went through a few different periods where they were targeting different environments, trying to figure out what market yeah. they could actually you know stick in. And one of those markets was, uh, one of the early choices was higher ed. And so uh, they offered a bunch of Next computers for the lab there at the computer center. And I saw them as, um, I saw what the, team that had just accepted them was doing with them. And they were treating them kind of like Macintoshes and you yeah. had to bring in your own media and reset as soon as you left and so on. And I'm like, but these are great units machines. Let's hook them up to the mainframe as an NFS server and let's, you know, give people their own student accounts on there and yeah. and really, you know, turn these into some great units workstations. And so that was how I first started uh, this is like next step 0. 0.8, I guess. And yeah. uh, started adding uh, you know learning app kit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which I still use today. <laughs> so, Paid off. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's worked out. Yeah. yeah. So when did uh, the Omni Group uh, take form in all this? Um, Mac OS was, was out for a few years at this point, or I kind of forget when that all started. Sure. Yeah. So uh, the Omni Group, we got together and we were already kind of working together around that university environment. Um, this is back in 89. Uh, and then... But then we started consulting for Next, working for them directly and helping them with some of their clients, yeah. uh, like the William Morris Talent Agency and so on. And um, and then we formed as a company in 92, mm-hmm. uh, or that's when I registered on Group. Yeah. It's as good a date as any, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And um, for those that aren't familiar with uh, your, your company, uh, productivity apps, what are kind of the apps that you guys create? Yeah, you bet. So we make uh, all sorts of... Uh, our one of our touchstones, touchstone inspirations is Steve Jobs' quote from when he was at Next uh, in the early years about how uh, computers, you know, help us be mentally more efficient. That he saw them as a bicycle for the mind, yeah. much like bicycles made us uh, much more efficient animals for uh, for moving. Mm-hmm. That computers made us much more efficient animals for thinking. Yeah, and so. So yes, uh, all of the products that we build are helping people be more productive in one way or another, and that's those products are OmniFocus, uh, you know, which is basically software for uh, busy professionals, and you know helps people kind of organize their lives. OmniPlan, which helps people by um, uh, you know building project managers manage their, uh, manage projects. <laughs> that, that seems a little redundant. Uh, have some, you know, by working with Gantt charts, big Gantt yeah. charts and per charts and so on, uh, the sort of work that my dad used to do and he worked for Boeing and like when he was planning the, uh, helping schedule out the Saturn V or the Boeing 747, these big Gantt charts. Um, that's the sort of stuff that OmniPlan is about. And then, uh, OmniGraffle is one of our most popular products and that's, uh, diagramming software that, uh, that, we've had since the launch of mac os 10 yeah. <laughs> excellent yeah and uh omni outliner is um uh, it's kind of yeah. yeah and omni outliner uh kind of gave birth to omni focus which is a, a fun kind of thing yeah. yeah absolutely I, I don't 
I, I shouldn't leave out on the outline. <laughs> I, I certainly am using it right now. <laughs> like 50 open windows, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, um, Vision OS, a new platform, brand new platform, and a new paradigm in computing. And you've kind of experienced a bunch of them. You went from command line interface to GUI with, you know, Apple, the Mac, and then uh, 2007 direct interface with touchscreens in the iPhone, and then later the iPad and Apple Watch. And now eye tracking and hand gestures and spatial <laughs> computing. It, it feels like that kind of moment again, uh, does it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's exciting to be. Um, here in this moment, I feel like it's a moment that we've kind of been waiting for for a long time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I think there have been some important other steps along the way. Like, I, I don't want to minimize the, the value of having, uh, you know, a computer in your pocket that you yes. have with you all the time that's connected to the internet and yeah. then another one on your wrist later that starts tracking, you know, your health and <laughs> telling you when your, your pulse is going crazy or whatever. Yeah. All of these things are also exciting in their own way. But uh, so one of the things about this past decade is that of changes have been that the devices have mostly been getting smaller and smaller workspaces. And yeah. that, that's, of course, been really valuable in terms of being able to put it on your pocket or in your wrist and take it with you on the go and be connected to the Internet. And so I don't want to minimize the value in that, of course. Yeah. But one of the really exciting things about the Vision Pro is that, in a sense, this is now giving us a much huger workspace to work with. Yeah. Suddenly, the canvas for our apps to uh, to build content within is much, much bigger rather than going to a smaller and smaller screen. So, uh, so it feels very exciting to me. (laughs) Yeah. And it's anywhere you want to be with it, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and one of the cool, one of the cool things I realized when I'm seeing how how the developer kind of things about it is on the Mac, you have these toolbox windows and auxiliary windows. Apple calls these in, Vision OS ornament windows. And this is something I I would love to have an iPad. This is something that they've like refused to do an iPad pretty much. You <laughs> kind of can't have extra, you know, you can have secondary windows on iPad, but it's basically the app running twice and it's but right. but yeah. this this feels like a nice merger of the Mac where you have all these extra auxiliary windows with iPad and it's so you can have this huge <laughs> huge uh, workspace with all the good pop-up windows and um extra extra goodies that um, kind of brings everything together in a sense. Yeah. I love what they're doing with the design of this platform that it's, uh, you know, both letting you stay connected to the environment that's around you. That's mm-hmm. one of the um, big yeah, kind of new features, I think around uh, this particular um, around their spatial computing vision. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, giving you all of the space to work with. And as you say, having, I mean, they've just done a beautiful job of, yeah. of the way they've uh, connected all of the pieces here. Yeah. So you've been around for a lot of different platforms and some that haven't uh, been successful, some that have. Um, is it, do you have a sense of like, is it too early to tell if this will be a successful platform? Um, it's kind of, Apple's in a different era right now where they're a much bigger company than you know, they were back when the Apple Pippin was a, a gaming console that failed. And <laughs> it's a different kind of world. But, um, yeah, what's your sense of all that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. The, you know, one of the platforms, I mean, as I, I guess I just alluded to, the next platform was never really a commercial success. No. In and of itself. 
but it planted the seeds that led to the success of Mac OS X, of the iPhone, of the iPad, and the Apple Watch. And right, yeah. so all of that, uh, the technology and the steps we were taking and what we learned along the way, all still matter today. Yeah. And um, and I think of this the same way that I don't. It's um, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball that will tell me <laughs> whether this will succeed or not. But I sure hope it does, and yeah. I want to. Um, invest my time in it. And I don't think it'll be a waste of time, even if, if, if it takes a while to get here. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect that this sort of change, um, replaces the other environments right away. Mm-hmm. Much like the iPhone and the iPad haven't replaced my Mac. No, right. uh, they're different things that I use in different environments at different times. And I think I'm going to make a lot of use of all of these things. Yeah. And, and the kind of, the balance remains to be seen and how it feels and um, and the balance at the very beginning of the platform when it first launches mm-hmm. might be very different from how it feels a decade down the road when the uh, batteries are better and yeah. <laughs> everything else. Right? Yeah. So. And it's interesting. Um, each OS has spurred a lot of different form factors. Mac has desktops, all-in-one desktops, laptops, uh, iPhone spurred, iPad, Apple Watch, um, and many different form factors within those. So this, you know, Vision OS... I'm sure it will spur many different form factors, including pure augmented reality and, you know, which is more stripped down from this more vision OS, uh, vision, Apple vision pro, which lets you do both VR and AR. So I'll be curious to see the different form factors that emerge from this in the coming decades. Yeah, that'll be fascinating to see how, um, how it gets adapted to different scenarios and, uh, and of course, you know, we've had in science fiction, we've had things like <laughs> sunglasses that you put on <laughs> yes. this stuff you carry around in your pocket. We yeah. may be a few years off from that. Kind yeah. of vision, but, yeah. um, uh, but I want to be exciting when we get there. <laughs> right. Yes. Do you have any experience uh, with other headsets, HoloLens, or um, is this, is this new world to you? Yeah. So I've been interested in, uh, I guess in 3d graphics mm-hmm. and this whole space since, uh, remember all those, uh, Unix platforms I was talking about. Yeah. One of them was Silicon Graphics and the IRA uh, workstation. I had one of those that I was, this is admin for. I was I didn't get to have it on my desk all the time, but after everybody else went home, I got to play around on it. <laughs> yeah. Live 3D uh, stuff when that was um, very unusual. We didn't yet have any 3D <laughs> hardware in any yeah. contest, right? Uh, and so... Uh, I've been with the, at the graphics lab at the University of Washington, also experimenting with VR from the very, very early days in like uh, around 1990, 1989, too. Um, and along the, over the years, as things come out, uh, I'm very interested in seeing, you know, what they can do and how yeah. they work and everything else. So, yes, I've done, uh, you know, multiple generations of the Vive. Uh, I've, pre-ordered the oculus but then they got yeah, by facebook and like oh, i'm not yeah. so sure anymore <laughs> if they're gonna be tracking everything I can see right yeah sending out you know, ads based on it <laughs> but, yep. uh and uh and of course i'm here in seattle uh, where a lot of you know friends that i know have gone to work for microsoft and yep. so i have um i haven't spent a lot of time with the hololens i have mm-hmm. played around with it just a little bit with yeah. them you know they, they said hey yeah check it out yeah and so cool yeah no it's a it's it's a fun space. It's and this. I have a PSVR two, and I, I I know how good that looks. And it, we're doubling the resolution from two K per eye to four K per eye. So it's going to be like uh, I'm excited to actually get my hands and see what this is all about, the hardware wise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we spoke back in 2010, very beginning of the iPad, 
Um, you wrote this amazing iPad or bust uh, blog post, which, um, you know, it's now 13 years later. Do you have any reflections <laughs> back at the birth of the platform? And now it's kind of it's maturing quite a bit. I've got an external monitor up with, you know, a bunch of windows. I'm talking to you and it's, it feels like a whole different uh, platform at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm really glad to see how it's matured over the years. I still use mine, you know, every day. <laughs> so I'm using it right now. Yep. This conversation, right? One of them, I have yep. several of different sizes that I use for different things. And uh, I think it's been, uh, yeah, I really liked the, the way that Tim Cook put it uh, a few years ago when the, when at the introduction of the iPad pro where he yeah. said, you know, it's this transforming piece of glass or, or a piece of glass that can transform to be whatever you want it to be. Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great tool for that. Uh, you know, when you want a very focused device, um, I think it's less for me, at least I find it less good for multitasking than mm -hmm. a Mac, sure. and especially now that, Apple Silicon has made its way to the Mac. Yes. Uh, you know, the, for a while there, I, it, it was, you know, always this balance of, well, if I take the iPad, you know, the battery life's going to be better. <laughs> it's a fast thing. I don't And now, uh, you know, on the latest business trip, I brought my phone and I brought my laptop and I didn't bring the iPad yeah. because I knew I wasn't going to need it for that short right. period sure. of time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think, it, but yeah, it's still a very important part of, uh, of my daily computing experience, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, um, software, it's, it's off, it's about constraints. A lot of times each platform kind of has their own constraints. Um, Apple watch, very constrained. It's very focused device to what you do there. Um, iPhone, um, very constrained as far as, you know, screen space and dealing with, you know, iPhone SE back in the day. Um, and the Mac has different constraints, but, but still constraints. Um, what do you see as, you know, the constraints within Vision OS and kind of like the the things that aren't constrained, such as like screen real estate? You can have this like 50-inch app to, to work within and um, you, you have the constraint of does this person just have their hands and eyes and no keyboard or mouse and designing around uh, being a pro tool for when you do have the keyboard and trackpad to get, you know, serious, you know, input done versus... Um, being accessible and usable still uh, with just your your hands and eyes. Yeah, that's one of the exciting things. I think anytime there's a new platform uh, that comes yeah. out is is kind of thinking about well, now what does computing look like given this whole different set of constraints that yeah. are going on? <laughs> and uh, and and I think you you covered you know kind of the, the basic changes right that we have the much. Um, you know, in some ways, the, the screen is more limited in that it's mm -hmm. enclosed around your face. Right. <laughs> uh, and so other people can't see it as yeah. you're working with other people nearby, unless they have one, too, in your yes. shared environment. Uh, but then uh, it is so much more freeing to have, be able to put your windows all over the place. And uh, at least it is in the simulator. I hope yes. it works out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it feels in, uh, as, um, as we actually get to try it out. But... Um, the and the of course apple tries to ensure that we don't require um devices that aren't absolutely necessary on right. each new thing right so uh you know like famously the the uh, iphone ditched the stylus yeah uh, and the uh the little touch tiny keyboard that like the blackberry had yeah and like you know we're just going to do everything with touch and that's it you don't have to bring anything else you've just got your phone in your pocket and mm -hmm. you can use it and with these glasses uh 
you know, unlike say the Vive controllers that uh, you hold in your hands uh, or the, the, the PlayStation controllers yeah. either, um, it's all done just through uh, <laughs> with your gestures and, your, and yeah. doing motion tracking. Uh, and so I think that's pretty exciting to, um, to have that be uh, so independent in that way. So right. you don't have to carry other things around and bring them with you, but that, that makes it more powerful and more portable and everything else. Mm-hmm. The, uh, at the same time, I do think if I'm going to, want to get a lot of work done i probably want a real keyboard yeah and, you know dep- depends on what my sure. activity is maybe sometimes i'm going to want a game controller and sure to play a game yeah. in, uh in the space or, or whatever else so uh, uh I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes <laughs> yeah. yeah one thing i'm thinking about is with all these these uh, you know ornament uh, windows is placing like a um, a control surface on like a table in front of you and having a customized um, I don't know. A customized, say, OmniGraffle, like here are all my different shapes, and I can mess with the shapes right. and throw them up in the main window. Or if I'm a music composer, I have a virtual full screen piano that I can, you know, play in front of me, and like all these, you know, virtual input. Um, I'm not sure how uh, feasible that is in version one of uh, the SDK. If you're able to do that kind of stuff yet, but that seems like an option down the road where you wouldn't need hardware as much. Yeah. I'm really curious about that myself. I feel like there's opportunity there with the skeletal hand tracking that they do and so on. Yeah. That in theory you could, for example, maybe uh, put a virtual keyboard on on the desk in front of you or on your lap and then just tap at it and not have to have a real one with you to be able to uh, type efficiently. Uh, but I don't know how the, I mean, we'll see how the accuracy. accuracy is, as you say, in this, in this first version. Um, yeah. But I do think it's exciting to think of the possibilities there. And because the device itself is so portable, you know, I'm seeing um, in, in the social media feeds of other developers that are working in the simulator and adapting their apps. You know, like one of the examples is somebody's working on their sheet music app. Yes. And, now you can sit down at the piano and have sheet music go as wide as you want. And you don't have to worry about turning, flipping pages and yeah. about <laughs> trying to find a stand that'll work. And, and the yeah. And so on. So. It'd be kind of interesting if a music notation app could actually see a piano and translate that into their app. But I don't think, I think the privacy thing locks out the camera entirely. So it'd have to be a digital overlay of a real piano. Um, cause they can't see the camera really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, um, maybe you could place things on each of the keys though. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, yes, you say you sort of have your own overlay and say, all right, here's my keyboard. I'm going to put it right there on the real keyboard. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be fun with like keyboard shortcuts being able to program in like a digital touchpad of like, you, you have all your hockeys, just big buttons on your desk that you can just hit. Right. Um, that was thing. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah. the idea of uh, the touch bar finally taking off of uh, this huge right. touch bar. That's definitely <laughs> useful. Yeah. A touch bar in multiple dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, something I'm curious about is um, we've only had to deal with like 2D graphics, really, or at least, uh, you know, no 3D, uh, true 3D as far as. Um, at least as a productivity know. developer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. The shift into being able to work with 3D assets and applications, uh, how do you see that going? And um, 
do you see any potential uses within Omni apps to to make use of that? Like Omni Graffle having 3D assets and how does that translate when you're trying to share a single document across different platforms and things like that? Right. Well, I think I think it's important to be able to have those sorts of options. Like you could imagine um, maybe one of the stencil sets in Omni Graffle is now a chess set and you're moving yeah. stuff around and you're right. showing positions and it really looks like you've got a board. Uh, in that case, presumably... Um, but you still want to be able to share all that content um, with people using OmniGraffle somewhere else. And I think you would just do a visualization and say, okay, well, what's the, what's the angle that you want to present this at? And, yeah. Or maybe let people rotate it in other, in other contexts as well. Um, that said, I don't know uh, whether that's the right thing to do with OmniGraffle. I, I look forward to experimenting and kind of yeah. figuring out, okay, what, what makes sense? What doesn't make sense? Is that really the kind of content people want to build? Or do they want to use 3D in other ways? So it's still maybe 2D content, mm -hmm. but the 2D content is now being, well, of course, first of all, unconstrained by <laughs> the width yeah. of your screen. But also, uh, you know, like maybe one of the requests we've had, people have asked about having layers in OmniGraffle that go off right. angles, for example. Yeah. Right? And you can imagine saying, okay, I'm going to put this here and this here and this other thing there. And as you slide things around there at different angles and, and use them that way. Or... Um, Sometimes people do want 3D assets, not for uh, 3D visualization, but just to have some really great assets that, right. that look like a hard drive or whatever. And, yeah. Um, and so they might pick an angle and, and then they might turn it in 3D for real, but then say, okay, now I'll flatten it down. Now it's just the flat image that goes into this, yeah. into the poster they're making or whatever. Yeah. Seeing layers is, a, yeah, it's a cool idea because we deal with layers and you're hiding layers and, you know, adding them back in to, be cool that right. you just see them <laughs> in a <3D> space, <laughs> yeah. Um, so spatial computing, um, it's a term Apple's been using. What do you see the potential of, you know, leave, you know, OmniFocus? You have, you leave one OmniFocus window at your work desk and you're at home, you have different OmniFocus windows and it knows, it room scans, remembers your different rooms. And what do you see, do you see that as being something pretty powerful? Um, I think so. I think there's... Uh, now it it remains to be seen where people are going to want to wear these things. Yeah. Right? Right. So, but I could imagine one you know walking into uh, you know where you do the laundry and seeing your list of things related to laundry yes. that you need to get done. Or you walk into the kitchen and you see your shopping list or your menu or whatever, and all of those windows. Uh, you know, the way it works in the simulator, at least, is you can just drag them wherever you want and leave them there and come back later and they'll still be there, right? And mm -hmm. so. Uh, so I certainly see a lot of you know power and flexibility there, but again, I don't know um, until until we get a chance to actually live with these right. things. Is this something that I'm going to walk around the house with, really, or is it something that I'll mostly use in a few specific locations and right. put it on it, there? And then, yeah, your um, office. Then when I'm done, I'm done. Right, your yeah. office or for entertainment, yeah. or maybe entertainment. Yeah, and some. Something I see about this device is that they're, they're it's very much pitched as augmented reality, right? And um, and that yeah. seems to be its primary. You're still in the world, and people can interact with you and and come into your world and, and all. Right, that. it's not, <laughs> not not being cut off from the world that is actually around you. Yeah, generally, except with the, when you turn that dial. Yeah, you don't have to like in, in TSVR. The way I make sure I'm aware when people enter the room is I have um, you're able to add the mic of the headset mixed into the sound of 
your headphones so you can actually hear when doors open behind you right. people are talking <laughs> so that's been helpful but outside of that i'd be completely uh startled if someone came up and <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder you know <laughs> i've experienced that before yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so it'll be nice. Or a cat. Yeah, or a cat. Yep. I do wonder the um, that ability of when the, someone enters your area, if animals like a dog would enter your, or is that, is that only detecting people that, that would set that off? Yeah. My, I don't know. My, um, my sense was that it's just proximity things in general. If something's moving yeah. and it's near you. Moving, you, yes. You can be. <laughs> if a ball is being thrown at you, that'll let you. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, something I'm curious about, do you know, as far as uh, developing an app, like with OmniFocus, could you make a pure VR version, a VR version of OmniFocus and you have these different environments you're working with in OmniFocus, um, or, or whatnot, um, and then twist a dial to, to scale back, you know, the, the environment you created, which is all about OmniFocus to something more, um, more suitable for multitasking and um, being in AR mode. Can a single app do that or? I don't know the answer to that question. That's okay. a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, I know, I don't know, I guess what access we have as app developers around. I, I know we can create a completely immersive environment right. and that that environment um, still doesn't really block out the other world. Like if, if something, as you say, the ball's coming at yeah. you, it'll, it'll, <laughs> um, open a hole in your environment and show you, Hey, here's yeah. reality that you might want to pay attention to. Right. But, um, or somebody who just walks over and, and, you know, says hello. Yeah. Um, but what I don't know is whether, uh, we get to choose like how much that environment is on or off the way that it's mm -hmm. built in. So right. of course the, um, the system has this already built in with its own, you know, you can go be in Mount Hood or whatever, yeah. and, and here's this great environment. You turn the dial, and that seems like a fine place to go do my right. own focus review. I don't know that we need to um, have a um, to build our own VR environment when Apple's doing some great environments. Right. And maybe we'll open that up for, you know, I hope that they open that up for three uh, for third parties to do like just environments right. uh, that maybe uh, any app could live in. Yeah, and so it's not something that each app would have its own environment, but it's something where you can pick and choose environments. Yeah, um, maybe not for version one though. I don't right. Know. <laughs> <laughs> for version one, it seems is it is it, it seems to make most sense as at least a starting point of doing the the more augmented reality focus where it's the floating windows versus the more volumetric stuff uh, with with your apps just based on the the need of multitasking with them and whatnot. I think so. And it's, I have this sense that that is more what Apple's emphasis is as well, right? Mm -hmm. Their vision for this product is not, I mean, they never said the word VR <laughs> or virtual yeah. reality at all in their presentation, but they, what they um, care about is not replacing the world around you, but augmenting it and making you yeah. more efficient in it. Yeah. So, um, or maybe having some more enjoyable experiences within it. Yeah. But, which, you know, that starts to tread that line. There's a line between, okay, at what point does this become virtual? When do you, when you do turn on those environments so you're blocking out the plane in that, <laughs> that example in the keynote or uh, and you're just watching the movie or whatever. That, right. Um, you know, there are times where an immersive environment totally makes sense, of course. Totally. Um, yeah. And for certain, if you have a really tiny office, 
you're probably going to need to do at least frontal VR to get the space and distance uh, faked to you to have enough right. room to work in. Um, in my room I'm currently at, I'd probably just want to turn my chair around and have a little table in front of me for a keyboard and use all the space behind me rather than being you know so close to the wall where I have my computer. <laughs> right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so it'll be interesting how workspaces shift. And, and I mean, do you see yourself? I could see myself working on the outdoor patio outside on on spring or fall days. Like, are there different places you could see yourself working that you wouldn't um, otherwise with this kind of setup? I I think it will be more comfortable visually to work in other places. But I I have intentionally set up like you know a really nice office chair and yes. so on. <laughs> and so it, it's hard for me to. Imagine, well, let's see, would it be truly more comfortable outside? Well, if the whole point is I'm kind of bringing my environment with me anyway, right. it doesn't matter where I am, <laughs> and I might as well be in the most comfortable chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's certainly opportunity there and, um, and times where, you know, maybe you want to be in a particular location because you are trying to, um, you know, augment the world around you, not just uh, withdraw from it. Yeah. How do you see developers taking advantage of these um, ornament windows alongside the main windows? Um, this this kind of immersion of, of Mac and iPad in my mind kind of um, it really feels that way um, to me. Yeah, so I think uh, I, mean, I think we're going to see a lot of ornament windows for sure. That, that, yeah. th- they're a great uh, way of you know, being able to have sort of these utility, I mean, it's almost like the widgets that we have on the iPad (laughs) in a sense, except that they're much more focused. They're usually associated with a particular uh, main document window. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to just see what kind of control we have over that. We have some level of control over the placement. You know, we've, uh, as we've been working in the simulator with OmniFocus, for example, now the perspective bar goes along the left edge as an ornament window, just kind of detached from the main window. And, uh, and it, you know, it's all exciting to work with and see. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I can't wait to really uh, work with it truly <laughs> yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a sense of multitasking yet? Um, being able to like drag stuff from one app to another, um, you know, you're clicking and then basically using your eyes to tell it which window I want to drag this to, I guess. Like, how seamless do you think working across apps will be in this environment? Right. So I think, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> like that drag and drop has been such an important part of, um, you know, the, or maybe I should just say app interoperability mm-hmm. has been such an important part of the computing experience for decades now. Yeah. Uh, and when we didn't have it on the phone for a few years or, you know, between different apps or, yeah. Uh, or on the iPad, uh, you know, came to the iPad first, that that felt very limiting. And, of course, this is an environment that I, I want to be exactly the opposite <laughs> of that. But I have not explored it a lot. You know, I, I really should set it up with, like, two um, two of our apps, you know, Omni Outliner and Omni Focus side by side. And what happens when I drag a project from yeah. Omni Focus into Omni Outliner? Do all the pasteboard types come across properly as I, as I would expect? Um, does that gesture even work the way I would expect. Uh, And that's where maybe it gets a little bit hard to know for sure how it works until we have the real hardware to play with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, trying to do that in the simulator. um, All right. Maybe it works, but then how does it actually work when you're doing that with your eyes? and Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How's your experience with the simulator been so far? Has it been 
Uh, have there been a lot of roadblocks to getting the iPad versions of your apps up and running just in the rudimentary form so far? No, no, it's, uh, it's been a really great tool. I think, um, really appreciate that they, um, that they have it there and that it's so robust. It's sometimes maybe a little too forgiving. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it will support things that, again, that I don't necessarily expect the real hardware to support well. Yeah. And things like, um, it's really easy for a mouse pointer to stay in one point position, yeah. but I don't think it's going to be so easy for an eye to stay like no. that solidly focused. So, yeah. um, so you really want, um, to do the sort of, uh, you know, simulate the sort of micro motions that your eyes do as, mm-hmm. as you're looking at something and understand that if you're pointing at something, you might accidentally trigger the neighboring element (laughs) if if it's too close. And so you should spread those things out, right? Apple gives some good specific advice about that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that things should be, well, I think it's 60 points apart. Um, And then the the point system is set up so that it scales based on the distance of the window. So when a window is further away, um, all of the content grows so that from the eye's point of view, they're all still kind of the same distance apart. Um, which uh, is an interesting <laughs> thing to do. And it's kind of hard to um, accurately position windows from my point of view in the simulator, but yes. I imagine in reality, it's going to be pretty easy to you know grab something and then put it right there yeah. and um, understand what happened and where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And Apple seems to have a, a default distance in mind and it seems like they let you put the windows close, but they're not encouraging it for sure. Do you see ergonomic, you know, eye health reasons as to why you would probably not want a app that is focused on, say, putting a digital sheet of paper on your desk and you're just staring down at it for a long period of time? Um, is is that something that people you think should stay away from? Just eye, eye health wise, probably um, you know, until we have hardware that um, physically moves to have a different focal distance, you know? Right, right. Um well, and all of that's kind of an interesting question. Like when something is, uh, when you position a window near your face, is it really, a diff- is it a near focal distance or is it, you know, because the, the glasses are the same distance. No it matter is. What, right? yeah. I mean, the goggles are. Yeah. And so um, is that distance basically constant and it doesn't matter how far away you theoretically put it or how close you theoretically put it. It's always going to be. Yeah. Because I, I know like prescription, like you need them. Even if you don't need prescriptions for looking at stuff up close, it's a distance prescription that you need to be able to see with clearly within here, even for right. close-up stuff. So I, I have to imagine there is a focal distance in mind that it's mimicking to your eyeball and brain. <laughs> yeah. And when it gets close, <laughs> if it gets close to your face, it virtually, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, we'll we'll know you know next year if that's uncomfortable. Yeah, I for look a long forward to finding not. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll follow up on that. When right. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is why I see potential for like, you know, surface and control interactions at your fingertips, where you're just kind of glancing down, uh, versus perhaps doing all your work down there, but you know, mainly focused in the distance a bit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to know the answer to this because. It's not like VR is new, and I have been using you know, other <laughs> VR devices over the yeah. years. But, um, but I feel like the work, or I shouldn't say work. The thing, the activities that I've been doing in the other VR devices are basically not work, yes. right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there might be exercise or whatever, but they're not um, actually um, 
and and I imagine with the Vision Pro that I will be doing a lot of work, and so it's yeah. a very different activity and different kinds of um, focus. And you know, I don't know. I'm going to spend hours looking at windows in in this space in the way that I never would do when I'm uh, <laughs> playing Beat Saber. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you know before the keynote I was not too excited because oh, Apple doesn't get gaming and what, what <laughs> right. am I, why am I going to care about this? And I, I was, I was right. They don't get gaming and I'm still going to game on my PSVR two, right. but this is a new computing platform. That's going to be, you know, uh, a desktop replacement for many use cases, I think. Yeah. I mean, you would never get the sort of apps that I'm expecting to see on day one here uh, on the other platforms. No. It's just yeah. designed that way. They're not designed for, reading a bunch of text for example <laughs> no the resolution isn't there yeah and I, i've yeah there is uh you know some games where you need to read some text in vr and it's it, it, that's 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 where it shows its weakness like the <laughs> yeah. The, yeah i mean the hdr stuff's there on, on playstation you can look up at the sun and, and it kind of blinds you a bit like that stuff's it, that sells right. it but uh, when you have to get like very detailed text <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to see what Apple can do with their hardware um, there. Yeah. Um, what are you personally most excited about for with Vision OS and this whole new platform? Well, I guess I'm personally most excited about having a huge uh, canvas to spread out and <laughs> getting rid of these constraints of these uh, of the physical screens that we've been around for so long. And, you know, thinking back on your earlier comment about, well, would you take this outside? And that's actually a place where maybe you would do that more often. Like right now, if I go outside to work on something, um, you know, maybe I'm bringing my laptop with me, but then I've got a small screen. And, um, but imagine if I've got these on and I mean, maybe I really would love to be there or I'm out at the park or wherever. And I'm enjoying the, you know, the physical environment that I'm in. Plus I'm enjoying being able to have, this huge workspace, yes. <laughs> even bigger than the uh, than the large uh, screen that I'm used to for my Mac, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that's that's I guess the thing I'm personally most excited about. I think it's important to remember, you know, how long it took to really tap into the potential of the iPhone. Yeah, uh, you know, even looking back, the first year was amazing what it could do, mm -hmm. but it was nothing compared to the second year once we had all the apps. And then, yeah, I'm trying to remember. It, did you guys have like a web app in that first year to access? Some, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, you you would uh, we would start up a web browser, uh, sorry, a web server from OmniFocus on the Mac. Yes. that your phone could then connect to and uh, and do a little bit of <laughs> stuff on it. Yeah. I was so glad when we were able to replace that with a real app. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but for the first year, that was Apple's story, right? Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. You can use you can build web experiences for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were Were you jailbreaking in 2007, uh, getting OmniFocus running before it was official? No, no. I I kind of followed what was going, like what Craig Hockenberry yeah. was doing, and so on from. It, a slight distance and like, all right, that's fascinating. I think they were doing what well, didn't they have like forensic on really early plus Twitter, I think mm -hmm. maybe, or some yeah. early iterations of it. But, um, but I always felt like I don't have time for that right now. I'm busy <laughs> trying to get this on me focused. Stuff done, right? We were shipping, we had just, we were shipping on version one that year. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah. 
Yeah. It was a busy time for us. Very. Much like right now, I'm not playing with the uh, the beta uh, version of iOS <laughs> 17 because I've got to stay focused on, all right, what's actually shipping that I need to have our software ready for. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm very excited and sounds like you are as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, we got another a um, little bit less than a year to, to wait on this stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot of challenges ahead, I think, you know, that, um, that we have. Um, I, well, I thank goodness we already did all the Swift UI work that we started a few years ago, right? Yeah. But OmniFocus is positioned, um, you know, the, the reason that it works as well as it does right now in the simulator is because all of these controls are already, you know, native controls by virtue of being written in Swift UI. And so yeah, that was just translated over well. OmniFocus 4, that was one of the big things you guys undertook was Swift UI entirely, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when I press on the, uh, uh, like on a row in the simulator, and then it, it does the hover effect for much like a long tap, um, which I assume is going to be like I gaze at it and I pinch. Right, yeah. And then, hold. <laughs> and then what happens in the simulator is the, uh, the row raises up a little bit out of the window, you know, comes toward you. Uh-huh. And then the context menu pops up and it's at the same level. and It's all beautiful. <laughs> Just like, okay. I, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I'm super curious with the Mac interaction. I, I'm curious if that evolves into like right now, just showing you like an external monitor of exactly your Mac screen, but I'd love a future where you can just like, Pick pick what Mac app you want to run as its own instance in window, and you have several yeah, Mac pull apps. Pull some windows out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Spread them out, not yes. have them be constrained by some virtual. Screen. Yes, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, right now the Mac experience in VisionOS will be constrained by that one screen versus uh, each Mac app being its own screen, which is what I think we all want. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, it's like the difference between using uh, you know, screen sharing to a Mac versus... Um, Oh, back in the day, uh, I guess I don't know if, if this maybe still exists in some form, like in the Linux world, but, you know, where X Windows was set up so that every app could project to a different display that you were running on a computer. Yeah. So each window was kind of being positioned on the other display instead of your whole screen working together. Now that has its own other problems. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It did make things like drag and drop really super challenging <laughs> or impractical or whatever. But, um, but I could imagine uh, a world where I can have, you know, like, I'm never going to have the, the horsepower, presumably my headset that I can have in my Mac studio. On no. my desk. Yeah. And so I want that power. I want to be able to tap into it and I want the flexibility of the display that I've got on my headset. Yeah. Uh, and then have them work together and be able to throw windows around. Um, I mean, again, this is just the beginning of the platform. So maybe what I'm thinking about is going to be a few years off. <laughs> right. I, I hope that somebody does it. If not Apple, then maybe a third party can build something that, um, that does that part of it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I do wonder vision OS. It feels like, has potential to eventually replace uh, a Macintosh for a lot of people. But as you said, the horsepower, that's one reason it'll stick around. Um, how do you see it taking a while or if will app lover get uh, like full X code running on vision OS versus just using the Mac version within vision OS? Um, I've wondered that too. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you, I mean, I've wondered that yeah. for years for the iPad as well. Right, yeah. It, it mattered, especially before that, um, Apple Silicon transition on the Mac side, <laughs> but um, I but I'm starting to think 
maybe that's not the direction they're headed. That instead they're headed towards putting Xcode in the cloud, oh, right? Right. And so you, yes, you can do your programming all from the headset, and you don't have to have a Mac that is with you. But it's not that uh, that you're carrying it around with you and running Xcode locally. It's that you now are just like you interact with the web. You're interacting with Xcode out somewhere else. Yeah, uh, which is fine. I, right. I would like it if it could be my cloud, <laughs> yeah. just Apple's cloud. Not a subscription. Well, you, yeah, yeah. I, I guess if you're already if if the ninety nine dollars a year, whatever it is, uh, covers it, uh, that'd be great. But if it's <laughs> right. anything more than that, that's another. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, anything else before we wrap it up? Thank you so much. Uh, it's been great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate. Um, uh, you know, I think I would just say, you know, I. Obviously, we're really excited about doing this. Um, we still have OmniFocus 4 itself to ship yeah. for the other platforms. <laughs> so I'm trying to... Fortunately, I don't have the hardware yet, so that helps me temper my... Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the distraction level. The... Uh, the- the uh, um, the request to Apple to get your own headset for developers is now available. So you can get yeah, j- <laughs> <laughs> talking about some recent news that of uh, a potential distraction. But yes. I already yes, I I did write my essay and submitted it already. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I am that interested. <laughs> yes, but um, th- we have a lot of you know we have all of the compatibility updates across all our platforms for this fall as well. Of course, with iOS 17. I kind of was 17 and yeah. Mac OS 14 and then, <laughs> uh, and then get all our apps ready for Apple vision pro. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's some challenge with, um, approach it with some humility, <laughs> what we'll be able to accomplish, but I hope I would love of course to have stuff there as soon as, as soon as we can get it there. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I find really exciting, I guess about Apple doing this platform is their focus on, humanities uh you know i sort of already alluded to being connected with the outside world is an important focus of theirs yeah but then also their their focus on privacy as a fundamental human right yeah um and so they're they're not letting you do eye tracking uh, yeah. <laughs> just, uh and all of those sorts of things it it helps me uh i guess place more trust in that platform if i actually want to be using this um as a productivity tool not just gaming on it right then yeah. Um, then I feel like I can do that. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's something that, that we, of course, value strongly as well. Um, you know, we have a page about it, omniproof.com privacy, slash privacy. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, what our stance, we, we believe as well that, that privacy is incredible, is an important fundamental human right. Yeah. I, I, I do really hope gaming gets an entitlement in a future OS for that to enable eye tracking because, you can. F- there's some games that make great use of that, where you're looking at objects, you're lifting up with your hand, and like. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there, yeah. there are absolutely applications where it makes sense, and where you know, as long as the user is consenting to yes. it and knows what they're getting into, and has decided, I think it's appropriate here, and that it's not just taken for granted. That yeah, the Facebook general, app you have it all the time. My idea, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that uh, that there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how some of these other things. I, maybe you'll use other tools for some of those things, like right. like we use the stylus on on the iPad sometimes, yeah. right? The Apple Pencil, um, but yeah, that, and I, I'm curious. I will be curious if there'll be physical tools we use with this one day, like a, a a stylus even for like 
interacting on, on the table in front of you with you know to someone looking at you you look like a crazy person just but, uh, <laughs> you know with knobs right. that we turned and like different yeah i wonder what the hardware accessory ecosystem will look like in 10 years for this thing yeah, yeah absolutely i would i would think that you'd want to be able to have your art app and, and not be constrained by the size of a screen anymore. Like right. Artist easels are typically bigger than most people's screens yes. and they're drawing yeah. across all this stuff. And yeah. wouldn't it be great if you could do that in, in uh, virtual space in a spatial computing spatial reality? Computer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite spatial canvas. And I think that's the <laughs> do, do you have a sense yet of which Omni app would be the priority for day one? If you can only ship one on vision OS next year or. <sighs> so, there's priority and there's what's closest to being ready uh, because yeah. <laughs> OmniFocus 4 just had all of this rewrite into Swift UI. Yeah. I think it's the one that's most likely to be there on day one because right. it's already it's already in Swift. Um, yeah, so in Swift yeah. UI exactly. Yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, and it'll be yeah, it'll be cool to see what that that product looks like uh, next year at some point to see this kind of as we've been talking about this merger of you know iPad design language with the Mac, you know, the extra Windows and stuff. It'll be fun to kind of see that because. Um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a merger of the two, so it'll be it's gonna be fun to see what people come up with. Yeah, yeah, but I absolutely want you know the the huge canvas uh, is a big benefit to an app like OmniPlan or an app like OmniGraffle, right? Yes. Where you're already working with a big canvas of stuff, and you're trying to build relationships between it. And if you can put it, you know, back on the wall, and then another one here that you're editing, and invite other people to collaborate with you, yeah. and so on. This is all. Um, yeah, there's a lot to do over the next yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ken. Really appreciate your time. Um, where can folks find more information about uh, your awesome apps? Oh, you bet. Uh, so we're at omnigroup.com. And uh, from there, you know, you can find links to our social media platforms and so on. I Personally, I'm a, on Mastodon these days at uh, kcase at mastodon.social. And, uh, and of course, we have a bunch of Mastodon accounts for the Omni products at mastodon.omni.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I'd love to chat once uh, we have Apple Vision Pros next year and your apps are on, on the, you know, out the door. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'd love to, uh, to do this on the other side and yes. look back. <laughs> okay, what happened? And now, now that we really have it, let's talk about now or where do we think things will go? Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's my discussion with Ken all about VisionOS. Learn more about the Omni Group at omnigroup.com. My thanks to Ken for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My thanks to everyone that supports the podcast. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.